My name is Jim Fleming, and this is Our Sunday School. I'm coming to you from the Hickson campus of Stewart Heights Baptist Church in Chattanooga, Tennessee. And we'd love to have you come and visit us. But if you're not in the area, please go to OurSundaySchool.com to see all of the resources we saw in class. Well, good morning, everybody. Well, welcome to Our Sunday School. I'm glad you're here this morning. So we're in uh, Mark chapter 5 today. So if you've got your Bibles, open up to Mark chapter 5. We'll read through uh, Mark 5 here in just a second. And it's started to get interesting in Mark chapter 5, in case you haven't noticed. But uh, we'll begin with our question that we do each week. What is God doing in you through His Word from the portion of Mark we have studied so far? So what is God doing in you through His Word from the portion of Mark we have studied so far? Miss Amy? Okay. Changing your perception of what you're focused on daily. From what to what? Can I, get, can I be nosy? From me to him. Okay. That's good. That's generally a, like, I think you're a pretty awesome person, but he's, he's a lot better. So that's, yeah. And I have a tendency to think that too. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Hi, my name's Jim. I'm guilty too, right? That's the, Yeah. So what is God doing in you through his word from the portion of Mark we have studied so far? <clears throat> yes, Ms. Darla? What? Oh, I thought you said shooting people. And I was like, no, we shouldn't do that. That's not good. You said people, people matter. That's the exact opposite of shooting people. So good, yes, that's right. Cool. I had a head cold a couple of weeks ago, and this ear is still kind of clearing up. So, <laughs> Yet. <laughs> It's like that song that we sing on Sunday morning. He's never failed me. And then we put this yet in. It's like, you don't have to have the yet. Like, you just drop the yet and it's fine. So, but, uh, <laughs> awesome. All right, one more. What is God doing in you through his word from the portion of Mark we've studied so far? Julie, did you raise your hand? No, you didn't? Oh, okay. Cool. <clears throat> I'm a little froggy this morning, so. <laughs> and I'm in trouble today, too. So, yes, Miss Jessica. Well, I'm he's, um, increasing my confidence in all of his promises. Yeah. Okay. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's right. Remember all those witnesses from Mark chapter 1 who were saying, like, this is, this is the Messiah. This is the Messiah. This is the Messiah. This is the, the chosen promised one. And he is. He is. He is. Excellent. Good, good, good. All right. So today we are in uh, Mark chapter 5. We'll start. Your handout starts with verse 11. Um, and I think goes through 20. And this will be your handout for this week and Lord willing next week as well. So hang on to that. Um, and bring it back next week. That would be helpful. So I'm going to read through Mark chapter 5. And uh, then we'll dig into verse 11. Mark 5. They came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gerasenes. And when Jesus had stepped out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit. He lived among the tombs. And no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain, for he had often been bound with shackles and chains. 
but he wrenched the chains apart and he broke the shackles in pieces. No one had the strength to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always crying out and cutting himself with stones. And when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and fell down before him. And crying out with a loud voice, he said, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I adjure you by God, do not torment me. For he was saying to him, Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. And Jesus asked him, What is your name? He replied, My name is Legion, for we are many. And he begged him earnestly not to send them out of the country. Now a great herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside, and they begged him, saying, Send us to the pigs, let us enter them. So he gave them permission. And the unclean spirits came out and entered the pigs. And the herd, numbering about 2,000, rushed down the steep bank into the sea and drowned in the sea. The herdsmen fled and told it in the city and in the country. And people came to see what it was that had happened. And they came to Jesus and saw the demon-possessed man, the one who had had the legion, sitting there, clothed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. And those who had seen it described to them what had happened to the demon-possessed man and to the pigs. And they began to beg Jesus to depart from their region. And as he was getting in the boat, the man who had been possessed with demons begged him that he might be with him. And he did not permit him, but said to him, Go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you, how he has had mercy on you. And he went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And everyone marveled. And when Jesus had crossed again into the boat on the other side, a great crowd gathered about him, and he was beside the sea. Then came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name. And seeing him, he fell at his feet and implored him earnestly, saying, My little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her, so that she may be made well and live. And he went with him. And a great crowd followed him and thronged about him. And there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for twelve years, and who had suffered much under many physicians, and had spent all that she had, and it was no better, but rather grew worse. She had heard the reports about Jesus, and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, If I touch even his garments, I will be made well. And immediately the flow of blood dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. And Jesus, perceiving in himself that power had gone out from him, immediately turned about in the crowd and said, Who touched my garments? And his disciples said to him, You see the crowd pressing around you, and yet you say, Who touched me? And he looked around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. And while he was still speaking, there came from the ruler's house some who said, Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? But overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, Do not fear, only believe. And he allowed no one to follow him except Peter and James and John, the brother of James. They came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue, and Jesus saw a commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly. And when he had entered, he said to them, Why are you making a commotion and weeping? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him. But he put them all outside and took the child's father and mother and those who were with him and went in where the child was. And taking her by the hand, he said to her, Talitha Kumai, which means, little girl, I say to you, arise. And immediately the girl got up and began walking, for she was 12 years of age. And they were immediately overcome with amazement. And he strictly charged them that no one should know this and told them to give her something to eat. I hope you are still amazed and encouraged and enthralled with this man when we read his stories. 
because there is nobody like him. Never was, never is, never will be in the future. He is the one and only. So we're going to start today with verse 11. We looked at verses 1 through 10 the last couple of weeks. So we have gotten through the point where Jesus has engaged and dialogued uh, with Legion. And now it comes to the question of verse 10, and he begged him earnestly not to send them out of the country. We dealt with that a bit last week. And then you get to verse 11. Now a great herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside. So let's talk about pigs for just a second. So if you are a good Jewish uh, adherent of the Old Testament law, are pigs your friends? No. So I was looking for a very specific t-shirt this morning uh, and could not find it. And what I had realized is that I had given it to Miss Darla to be part of my um, uh, pulpit cover here. So this is the t-shirt that I was going to wear. It's all good. Um, Because it is, and this is one of the best parts of living under the new covenant, is that uh, hashtag bacon. Um, So there you go. But under the old covenant, under the Old Testament, um, pigs were what? There's a very specific word that I'm looking for. Unclean. They are unclean. Were you allowed to touch a pig? No. Were you allowed to eat a pig? No. Were you allowed to raise pigs? No. You didn't want anything to do with pigs. So this should, should tell us something. Miss Becky and I were talking this morning about this text. Should tell us something about the people who are raising the pigs. Either they are disobedient Jews or Gentiles who don't care about that Old Testament law thing. Right? So one of those two uh, categories. <clears throat> so now a great herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside. Now, have you ever been around pigs? Oh, yeah. You been around pigs? Uh, growing up, I lived about three miles from a pig farm. And as long as the wind wasn't coming from the west, everything was great. But when the wind came from the west, you just, oh my, it's just not good. And uh, one of my best friends growing up, uh, I actually learned how to say his name later in life. His name is Jeremy. Uh, we called him Jeremy because <laughs> redneck. <laughs> and uh, Jeremy's house was uh, about three miles away, and we'd bike over there. And as long as the wind wasn't coming from the west, because if the wind was coming from the west, you were biking into that sp- <laughs> So, So think about this. Who would have wanted to live next door to the tombs with the guy cutting and screaming all day and all night? Pigs. That's exactly right. Because it's not going to bother the pigs. Right. So the pigs were nearby. Right. So this, I want to make sure, like our local setting from last week was very small, just around the tombs. We're expanding that a little bit. It's like the environment is not getting better here, right? It's it's still very ugly. So these pigs on the hillside, verse 12, and they, who's the they? Legion, Legion, right? This legion of demons. They begged, so we see this word uh, lots of times in verse 5. This is actually one of the key words in verse 5. Shows up in 10, 12, 17, 18, and 23. They begged him, who's him? Jesus. They begged Jesus saying, 
And this is a present active participle. So this is over and over and over and over. I don't know. The text doesn't say whether this was each one of them asked or if there was some uh, repetitive uh, type communication from what might be perceived as a leader in this group of, of demons. But there was a lot of asking. And here's how they asked, Amy. They said, send us. And the send was not a suggestion. The send was a command. And it's almost like they've forgotten who they're talking to here for just a second, right? So you've got this legion of demons who said, send us. This is not a uh, subjunctive. It's not an optative. It's an imperative. This is a command. So send us to the pigs. Now, who have they been living in? The maniac, right? This, this guy with the, all the demons. And their next best option was what? Pigs. Pigs. Want to know what the devil thinks of you? One half step up from a pig. Want to know what God thinks of you? Jesus Christ on the cross. There's a big difference in the worldview of those two. There's a big difference. So send us to the pigs. Let us... now. Now, they rolled it back here a little bit, Amy, because this is subjunctive. <laughs> this is like, now, if we'd like for this to occur, right, let us enter them. So he, who's he? Jesus gave them permission. There is a great deal of comfort in that word permission, for me, at least. Uh, head over to Mark 10, verse 4. We'll see where else this is used in... Uh, in the Gospel of Mark. Let's look at verse 2. Pharisees came up and in order to test him, they still hadn't gotten to the point about chapter 10, right? It's, you'd think they'd have learned at this point, but they didn't. Came up to test him and asked, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? And he answered them, what did Moses command you? And they said, Moses allowed a man to write a certificate of divorce and to send her away. What's the word for permit there? Allowed, right? There was a condition under which this could occur. And this is what Jesus is saying here. There is a condition under which this can occur to turn over. I'm going to permit this to occur. So he gave them permission. Uh, How many of you grew up in a school where in order to go into the hallway, you had to get a slip of paper from the teacher that said you had permission to be in the hallway? I had one of those. Uh, I never liked to touch it. I I think even then I was a bit of a germaphobe because it was a wooden block and it had uh, a key attached to it. I never knew what the key went to. Uh, And then there was a couple pieces of uh, plastic that were hanging off of that that the teacher could snap on or snap off depending upon what you were supposed to have access to, right? And kids would take this thing to the bathroom and then bring it back and hand it to the teacher and the teacher would touch you and you're just like, it's exactly right, Miss Daney. He's like, mm-mm, nope, I don't think so. I think I want to pass on that. I'm like, can I just go without that, and, right? But this was your permission slip. So Jesus gave them a permission. And the unclean spirits, so again, we're... Notice the the legal language here. The unclean spirits came out. And how did they come out? They came out actively. And 
And they entered. And how did they enter? They entered actively the pigs. They came out. They entered the pigs. And the herd, this group of pigs, numbering about 2,000. So what's the most, what's the largest number of pigs you've ever seen in your life at one time? Like personally? Ten? Cool. Seven or eight? A hundred? A hundred? You ever seen 2,000? That's a lot of pigs. Like, think about 2,000. That's a tremendous amount of pigs. It is. It's like, dang it. Dang it. Some of them were what? Yeah, some of them could have been. There's still a lot of pigs, right? 2,000. 2,000. So what happens to them? They rush down the steep bank to the precipice. You get the mental picture here, right? So they're up on the kind of a, an elevated space. And they come rushing down. There's some type of a precipice into the sea. So what's the sea? Sea of Galilee. We, like we just got off the boat a few minutes maybe even earlier. Steep bank into the sea and drowned in the sea. So Jim, where did the demons go? I didn't even have to call on you. Wow. All right, so um, <laughs> Miss Becky and uh, Jay... Uh, come in early. You guys should start thanking them. They set everything up, put everything out, so that when you walk in, because you guys walk in and you're just like, oh yeah, everything's all set up. Yeah, somebody had to do that. They're sitting right over there. And what Miss Becky and I have been doing the last several months is when I come in, she'll ask me a couple questions and we'll have a, a really good dialogue. And I can tell you love being the center of attention right now, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, Miss Becky asked me that very question this morning. And what did I say, Miss Becky? What does the text say? Right? Look at the text. So what does the text say about where they went? Where'd they go? In the sea. What did it say about them after that? Period. Okay. So two things. One, look at the text. And two, don't guess. Guessing about the Bible lends itself toward horrible theology. So stop it. Right? Just stop it. Because... It's bad to guess about the Bible. When we guess about the Bible, what we tend to do is we tend to put our preconceived ideas into it, and then we justify it from a backward perspective, and this is no longer any good. Yes, Albert. You're not going to guess, are you? Absolutely not. Good, thank you. Uh, But I will ask a question. Okay. So how big is this area? It's a great question. Because if you have... Pigs yep. Freaking out because the demon jumped inside of them. <laughs> that's probably a reasonable assumption, right? <laughs> I, don't I, don't, I don't think I've ever read it said just like that in any commentary, but <clears throat> if I had to write one, I may borrow those words one day. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> So the cool thing is that we have maps, right? Yeah. Let's see, look at a map. Where was he? Where do we think he was? Oh, I don't have any map. There it is. Uh, remember the map in the back of your Bibles? I gave you maps. Hopefully you have one. I did... Uh, 
I did realize, somebody told me uh, that the week that I passed my Bible around, that it came out like before it even got to the first table. So the approach that I was going to take for securing their maps in the back here, but that was not a good approach. So I'm trying to figure out another one. So if you are crafty, <clears throat> I would appreciate any input on how to secure this to the back of your Bible without staples, because that's kind of annoying. But double-sided tape? Oh, that'd be easy. Mathematicians don't think of things like this, right? It's just not my thing. Uh, so here's your map. We are right there, Gergesa, next to the Sea of Galilee. And you see it's a couple of miles before you get to any other city. So that's where he was. And cool, the cool thing about the text is the text doesn't stop at verse 13, right? Which is really nice. So, Dave, did you have your hand? Yeah. You either have a really big party that uh, <laughs> a central part of that party, or, or it's, a, it's a significant amount of work to bury 2,000 pigs because you can't feed in the water contamination reasons. Yeah. No, it's salt pork. <clears throat> it's salt pork. <laughs> it's salt pork. <laughs> so I knew going into this lesson that there's no way around like getting Dave through this text without making pork jokes. I did not see it coming from Darla, though. Like that, that was the, that was the surprise. That was the surprise. Yes. 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 Does this seem overly logical? It doesn't, does it? So let's answer the let's answer the do demons die question. Yeah. So do demons die? So what was hell created for? Satan and who? His angels, right? His fallen angels. And the fallen angels are the actual demons, right? Um they love to be worshipped. Oh, they love to be worshipped. We learn in the New Testament that the Old Testament gods, right, that everybody bowed down to and worshipped and sacrificed and all these horrible things to, they were actually demons, which is kind of crazy. It puts the, old, the whole Old Testament in a, a bit of a different light. So if hell, <clears throat> which is a place that will last how long? Forever. Forever. Was made for Satan and his angels who became <clears throat> demons... Does it make sense that the water would kill the demons and they would then get to escape their eternal punishment? No. Now, an interesting question is, where did they go after they hit the water? I don't know. And I'm not going to guess. But, you would say but you're thinking right. That's a good question. What does this text say? Yeah. So there, a, a, an old preacher told me one time, Jim, if you want to draw a crowd, you talk about one, I mean, look, 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 Yep, okay, cool. If you want to draw a crowd, you can talk about one of two topics. <clears throat> you can talk about the end times, which has a lot of demonic activity, or you can talk about sex. And uh, you'll draw a crowd. And my, you know what my immediate response to him was, right? Well, why don't you just talk about sex in the end times? Right? And then you get them all. And just everybody's interested in this, right? He, 
He did not think that was a, a funny uh, retort to my question. I got rebuked like nine times for that, but it is what it is. Um, all right, so next hand I saw was Matt. Okay, everybody's pointing me over here to you, so cool. Well, obviously, or I say obviously, but maybe not, but uh, demons can't have control over animals, or they wouldn't have gone straight off of the cliffs and everything else, maybe because they don't have a soul. The second thing is, I don't know. Is that, what, what, what did they do with all the pigs? The thing that I've always, every time I read this, that I'm struck by is that the them, instead of just being furious and picking up rocks and going, we're going to crush you, yeah. uh, they, they ran away. And it says that they were, and then reported what had happened in the city. Yep. And I mean, they owned 2,000 pigs. It's right. Significant investment. And they ran away. It, it wasn't, so that says a lot too. It does. I wouldn't assume that the herdsman owned the pigs, though. The herdsman might have worked for somebody who owned the pigs. Um, and it might have been a reporting back to the boss, here's what just happened to your investment, and his name is Jesus. <laughs> um, lots of options here. See how easy it is to guess, though? You got that right. Yeah. It's so, and our natural instinct is to fill in the gaps. And it's not a natural thing. All right. Yes. Does the text say that they couldn't? It doesn't, doesn't it? Right? It just says what the pigs did. Yeah. Yeah. It's easy to guess, isn't it? Yeah. Myla? Um, with pigs and Jews, why were there so many pigs in an area to where there were a lot of you know, uh, people who couldn't use that? Uh, I don't know that they were. That's why, I'm sorry. I, I thought I had talked about that a, a little bit ago. So we're probably one of two options here relative to the, either these are disobedient Jews or Gentiles who wouldn't have cared about the Old Testament law. Because um, you'd had both in that space. Uh, and really all throughout uh, uh, Israel at that time because Rome, right? There's just all kinds of Roman occupation uh, throughout. So, yep. All right, I'm coming to Dan and I'm going to come back. So, one of the things I keep seeing in these things <clears throat> is these huge, dramatic, what would have been uh, regional events that have happened. First, the first one is this guy in the tombs, he's wailing, yep. cutting himself, and now he goes back to his village. Yep. Okay. The second one is we've got this, this regional event of all these pigs that would have and hugely, yep. are there any resources out there that have followed up on these stories outside of the biblical side of it? Like inside of like yeah, yeah, you, you, you're really, um, the, the problem is uh, nothing would have gotten replicated unless it had extreme value. Um, so we don't have any... Uh, what you're looking for is like a Fox's Book of Martyrs kind of follow-up ancillary to the story. Yeah, we don't really have anything in that space for this. You know, the Catholic Church, I mean, yeah. when you go to St. Peter's Basilica, they've got all of the relics that they bring yeah. to. I mean, it's just these are so traumatic mm-hmm. to a region. I would, you know, I, I'm sitting there thinking about the local Tribune, you know, right now, follow-up stories. Yep. Yeah, the Babylon Bee would have been all over that. 
bam, just like that. That's going to be my best joke of the year right there, <laughs> of the year. So, all right, one more and we're done. It was Tim? Yeah, I was just going to mention that uh, several years ago when they were having some uprisings in Egypt, it talked about the Christian community over there and how they were having some uh, problems. And one of the things that came out I thought was pretty ironic was that the Christians over there raised pigs, and they keep them at the dump. And that's hmm. where the pigs come in and feed on all the, the free food and yeah. stuff. And I thought, wow. And they kind of allow that because it keeps a lot of the trash out and stuff. So, I don't know. It just, I, it just hit me and it just came back. Yeah. All right, verse 14. Miss Becky, you were all over it with the question. <clears throat> it was a precursor of what came. There you go. Verse 14, and the herdsmen. Now, so here's, a, here's something that uh, I can't explain it yet. <laughs> we'll use yet there. But the word herdsman is actually a verb. Uh, it's just uh, the people who uh, feed things or people who cause things to be fed. Uh, and it's present active participle, so it's a, a repetitive kind of a thing. The, those who feed uh, fled, right? So they, they fled away. So let's look at uh, Mark 1450, 1452, and 16.8. I want to sh- show you how this word is used elsewhere in Mark because it gets uh, significant. So 1450. <clears throat> so this is right at the end. Uh, let's look at... Uh, uh, the, this is the, where Jesus is uh, betrayed and arrested. Uh, 48, Jesus said to them, Have you come out against me as a robber uh, with swords and clubs to capture me? Day after day I was with you in the temple teaching, and you did not seize me, but to let the scriptures be fulfilled. And they all left him and fled. Who's the they? The disciples, right? This is sad. Verse 51, and a young man followed him with nothing but a linen cloth about his body. And they seized him, but he left the linen cloth and ran away naked. The ran away there is the fled. Um, If you read any Bible commentary whatsoever, they will all say that this is Mark. There is no justification in the text whatsoever for that. Uh, We will talk about that when we get to that in 2021, maybe, Lord willing. August? September, something like that. Um, and then the last one, the time that this shows up is Mark 16, 8. Um, uh, and this is the, uh, the, is this the angel speaking? Yeah, the young man sitting on the right side, dressed in a white robe. They were alarmed. He said to them, verse 6, do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. And they went out and fled from the tomb, for trembling and astonishment had seized them. And he said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. This is a word that is used in combination with an emotion in Mark. And it is not an emotion of calm. This is an emotion of pulling your hair out, things are going crazy. So the herdsmen fled and told, or announced it in the city. So what city? Maybe? Yeah, Gargesa, right? Uh, announced it in the city and in the country. And what's interesting here is there a bit of, there's a bit of like spreading of who Jesus is with this messaging, right? And even, <laughs> even a really bad witness 
when you come in contact with Jesus or his works, is going to talk about him. So in the city and in the country. And then what happens next is what happened, what we saw in Mark chapter 1 with John the Baptist, right? He's out in the middle of the wilderness preaching. And what happens? People do what? They show up to watch, right? People come to see. There's a crowd there. They came to see what it was that had happened. And they came to... Now look at the... You see the word Jesus on your handout on page 145. I hadn't figured this out yet. But I'm still hunting it down. They came to Jesus. There's a word in Greek right before Jesus. And it's the word the. So in Greek, it's and came to the Jesus. I don't have a box to put that in yet, but I'm still working on it. So when I figure that out, I'll tell you guys. I fear it's going to require a couple hundred pages of uh, Greek grammar reading, but okay. They came to the Jesus and saw the demon-possessed man. Now, this word for demon-possessed has a little uh, uh, notation next to it. It's a footnote, and it can be demonized or oppressed by demons either way. Uh, But this shows up a lot in chapter 5. There's once in chapter 1 and a lot in chapter 5. And then then really not again as we move through Mark. So they saw the demon-possessed man, the one who had the legion, And this is a singular here because even as a a collective group of plurality, there's a single unit. They saw the legion and then three things are listed. And it, it implies that these three things weren't true before the interaction with Jesus, right? So he's sitting there. What was he doing before? He was running around, right? Cutting himself. He was clothed. Because, you know, I I mean, I know like nowadays Dollar General will put a Dollar General anywhere, but there wasn't one in the tombs where we could go get some. I mean, this is, he he was very likely, what's that? The text doesn't say that. that. That's right. Yes, yes. You guys laugh, but it's one of the reasons I say this stuff over and over and over and over and over again, because it's easy to do. I'm telling you, it's easy to do. So he was sitting He was clothed, and he's in his right mind. So if these are new things, then that dude running at Jesus, who had been cutting himself, might have been naked. So let's pause here for just a second. What are the disciples thinking? He goes to the place where there was a dead people. He goes near pigs. They're good Jewish boys. (laughs) This is not in the list of things that they signed up for. But what is Jesus doing here? Is Jesus very possibly modeling for them, this is what it looks like to go into all the world. This is what it looks like to go into a place that is demon-oppressed and say, the gospel is true here. Because my master did it first. And that is a really cool example. So, 943, we'll stop there. We stop with the legion, clothed, in his right mind. He was sane. And we'll start next week 
with that present active participle because that is a beautiful thing right there. Awesome. Cool. So at your tables, you should have a weekly update. Looks like this. So make sure that your name is uh, printed, uh, hopefully in English, uh, at the bottom of that. Uh, some of you, uh, your penmanship looks like mine. When I've had three cups of coffee or something, it's not good. So please, neatly is good. Uh, but uh, read over those prayer requests. Pray as a table. Once you have finished praying as a table and making any new prayer requests, you are dismissed to go and worship the one who tells the legion what to do, who gives them permission, and who is enabled to get us to sit and be clothed and be in our right mind. So thanks for coming to Sunday School today, guys. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and to our weekly email. You can do both at OurSundaySchool.com.